Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. So last week, if you remember, remember we were talking about uh, verses 11 and 12 and about abstaining from lusts which war against our souls. That's, uh, and our souls there includes our bodies too. Uh, and having honorable conduct towards outsiders. Outsiders will not necessarily acknowledge our good works or our good conduct, but at the day when they have to give an account for their lives, then they will also have to give an account, if we've been faithful, for the way that our words and our witness to them should have made them think again. They should not, in other words, have an excuse or any kind of a uh, idea of thinking that they might try to justify themselves by pointing to us and our behavior and saying, well, this person was a Christian, this person did this, they hurt me, their behavior undermined what you stand for, and that's what I had to go on. And therefore, you know, nothing that they did glorified you. Peter moves on from that, and he goes through a series of uh, admonitions to different uh, stations of people, different uh, things that people have to submit to, because we all have to submit to certain things. In verses 13 through 17, the beginning of this series is submission to government civil government. So this idea of uh, submission to government, you know, it's a, it's a t- touchy one, particularly in this country. Okay? In other countries, it's not uh, as difficult to deal with, I, th- I don't think, because there isn't a constitution in the same sense as there's a constitution uh, in America. Now, that constitution that's in America, of course, and the Bill of Rights, is supposed to be followed by our leaders. And very often there's a contradiction between the way that our leaders are ruling and the constitution that tells them what they're supposed to be doing and the parameters that they're supposed to be ruling within. And so I'll address that somewhat uh, as we continue, but 
we do need a little bit of background here. We need to understand that when Peter was writing, um, if Nero was not the emperor, then he was very soon going to be the emperor. And those that were before Nero, a little cluster, none of them were interested in democracy. None of them at all were interested in uh, a, a federal government, okay? They were all interested in their own power and their own authority as emperors. And emperors had the authority to, uh, to uh, send out those people who they thought would rule faithfully for them and on their behalf and who would follow their dictates. So the different governors and procurators and uh, civil magistrates and so on that there were in the Roman world were all to obey the emperor. Sometimes the emperor, you know, think of Caligula or people like that, were not the most moral people. And certainly Nero, um, who would be living in the and ruling in the 60s, he was a very, very, especially became in the latter half of his reign, a very, very odd individual and a very cruel individual, particularly towards Christians. And it's in that context that we need to understand what Peter is saying. Because if we don't understand that this is not written to people who are used to democracy, but who are used to a form of tyranny, really, we will not contextualize this passage as we ought to. This world is not fair, in case you didn't know that. You say, well, it ought to be. Yes, it ought to be a lot of things, but it isn't, and it's not going to be either. It doesn't matter what you think about it ought to be this, it ought to be that. It's not, and it's only going to be fair, and it's only going to be just, and it's only going uh, to be peaceable when the Prince of Peace returns. In the meantime... We have to put up with it, and it's how we put up with it, how we live within in it, that Peter is concerned with here in this passage. And as I said, it follows on from the way we're supposed to be uh, in our own lives, abstaining, it starts here, abstaining from sins and enticements that pollute us, which means we have to make sure that we are focused on the things of God. Focus on those things that we're saved to. I was talking uh, the other day uh, about some of this, and, uh, you know, I was thinking about the fact that it's very, very easy for us to fall back into the way that the world is. 
into the way that the world sees things, the way the world thinks about this. In fact, it is, in, in a real sense, it's natural for us to do that. You know, think about uh, a, uh, a boat in the water and, uh, and uh, the wind starts blowing, the boat starts being blown around and so on, and the wind subsides and the boat comes to rest, okay? Well, if we are that boat, we get blown around by different circumstances and different things in our lives, but when things come to rest, our default, the position that we land in, is always the position of independence from God. Always. It's not where we should be, but that's where we're naturally going to be. Okay? Which means that we have to put forth some effort not to be there. Your natural disposition, even as a Christian, even as a saved and spiritual person, is not to obey God and not to think about God first. It's to think about you first. It's to obey your heart. It's to do what you want. And it's to be independent from God's word. Do you realize that about yourself? You ought to if you read the New Testament because it chides us enough, doesn't it? Not to be like that. We've got to be vigilant. We've got to be sober. We've got to be on our mettle. We have to put forward effort all the time to realize that we are under the authority of God and therefore we better get there. We better get under that authority today, right now. So that's where this leads into. Because if we don't, we're not in a position to serve God. We're not in a position to glorify God. We're not in a position to hear God's wisdom. We are free-floating, doing our own thing. And God wants us to live in this unfair, in this unjust and difficult world in a certain way. In a way that not only gives him glory, but stops us from getting in a whole lot of trouble that we'd get into otherwise. Because the world doesn't like God. And it doesn't like his son. And it doesn't like those that call upon the the son and call him Savior and Lord. In uh, the ancient world, Christians, not just Christians, people of uh, other uh, sects and so on, they were uh, held in suspicion by the authorities. Okay, what are these? What do these Christians believe? Jews generally were held in this view too. What are these people doing? What are they scheming? What do they believe? Why won't they just worship the emperor? 
Why won't they attend these festivals? What is it about them? Are they subverting our laws, our customs, do you see? They were held in suspicion. Now, when people suspect you, they don't think well of you, generally, yes? Two things go hand in hand. So what Peter is doing here is telling us how we ought to live in this world so as to not to bring uh, too much ill will upon ourselves. That's what this is about. Peter here is not debating the form of government that's best for us. That would have been a useless debate anyway because it's a government that we, you know, that he was living under. He couldn't do anything about Caesar. He couldn't do anything about the Roman troops or anything like that. Jesus never bothered about talking about things like that. In Luke chapter 13, uh, Jesus says, well, do you remember, you know, those uh, worshippers whose blood Pilate mixed with the sacrifices? Do you remember those people? Oh, yeah, we remember that. And maybe they were thinking, okay, so Jesus is going to say something about uh, the, the wickedness of government here, the wickedness of Pilate, but he doesn't. He says, well, you be careful lest you yourselves perish. Likewise, in other words, you meet an end uh, in this life that stands you before the judgment of God. It was a repent or perish application. Jesus didn't come here to talk democracy and to talk about our rights in civil government. So if you, if you approach your Christian life in this way, you're approaching it in the wrong way. I'm sorry. The Constitution of the United States is an incredible document, an amazing thing. And certainly, it needs to be treasured and it needs to be taught. Yeah? Teach it to your kids. Teach it to people. Know it yourself. But if politicians and so on, if they ignore it, put it to one side, misinterpret it, employ a different kind of interpretation that skews it, don't be surprised. They're wicked. What are we to do in light of this? Okay, well, we're to submit. I mean, generally, let's look at what Peter actually says here. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. For the Lord's sake, okay? whether to the king of supreme or to governors or those who are sent by him. Now, for the Lord's sake means that you do it for the Lord. In other words, you do it because of his reputation. You do it because the Lord requires of you, of me, a certain set of virtues that don't come naturally, things like, Humility and meekness, meekness, that really, I mean, humility is a bad one, but, but meekness, that's a really bad one because meekness is taking it, taking it under strain, taking the hassle and not breaking, okay? 
And you can't be meek. Sorry, you can't submit if you're not a little bit meek. You can't submit if you're not willing to humble yourself. And we're to submit, we're to humble ourselves to authorities that are ordained. Now, Peter here, he talks about these as human institutions, the ordinance of man, okay, or the institutions of man. Paul, in chapter 13 of Romans, says that these things are ordinances of God. Now, they're ordinances of God in the sense that God in his providence has permitted these rulers, these leaders, these things to be at this present time. If you remember the book of Daniel, Daniel pictures four kingdoms, doesn't he? And these kingdoms are predicted to rise and fall in history in the light of God's overruling providence. And it's the same way with rulers and local rulers too. It's not that God is willing that these people be wicked. He's not, it's not that he's saying everything that these people do is good. Certainly not. These rulers and their authorities, of course, are the ones that put his son to death. But in a general sense, even tyranny is better than anarchy. There has to be some submission. There has to be some, uh, some acknowledgement that there are authorities over us. And generally the idea of these authorities, unless they are really, really crazy, wicked people like Vlad the Impaler or someone like that, is that they want a society that's not going to cause them a lot of hassle. Okay? They don't want to be policing everything. And so if they feel that, oh, okay, these, this group of uh, citizens are going to be good uh, citizens and they're going to you know, not cause us a lot of trouble, then they'll leave you alone. That's the idea, do you see? So this is no, there's no real political thing going on here, like that you have to acknowledge this side or that side. You have to uh, agree with what the ruler has uh, dictated here. It's just that in the general run of things, make sure that you submit where you can to the institutions of man, whether they're fair or not fair. You do it for the Lord's sake. Whether to the king is supreme, that's supreme under the institutions of man or, or his governors, to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. Because generally speaking, even in the, uh, the worst of things, you know, it is evildoers, thieves, murderers, you know, corrupt people, those are the ones that are punished by governments. Generally speaking, those that do good and, you know, keep their noses clean, are usually okay. Not all the time, but usually. For this is the will of God, verse 15, 
that by doing good, and remember he said do good in uh, uh, the previous passage, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, which means that they're not going to be silent, you see. You're going to put them to silence by doing good, by being as good a citizen as you can be. And Christians ought to be the best citizens, not the most rowdy citizens, not the most troublesome citizens, but the best citizens. You are free, look at verse 16, you're free from these things because remember, as a child of God, your citizenship is in heaven. You're a child of God. You are free in that sense, yet not using your liberty as a cloak for vice. So, no democracies in the ancient world, no fairness to be expected necessarily. We are to submit ourselves to these institutions and ordinances of man for the Lord's sake, which means that we've got to be looking out not for ourselves first, but for what the Lord wants and for his reputation first. We might ask ourselves, okay, what does the Lord want in this situation? And then we're to do good as much as we can. This is the third point. Do good as much as we can within the authorities that uh, God has put over us as bond servants. Now, he's just said that we're free. And we are free in the sense that we are not, uh, you know, we've been set free and we uh, are children of God. We are not tied to this world. But we are tied to God. We are bond servants or slaves of God. Do you see? And so we're concerned with obeying authorities for God's sake. And now he brings in the fact that we are bond servants to God. Okay, if we're bond servants to God and God tells us to obey the government, that's what we're to do. I know what you're thinking. I do, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, what if the local government tells us to do something that's against what God tells us to do? Well, because we are bond servants of God and because we are to submit for the Lord's sake, we cannot submit to uh, the government for the Lord's sake if what the government is telling us to do is against what God wants us to do. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing it for the Lord's sake. We'd be doing it for the government's sake, do you see? Do you understand that? So, so long as what the government is telling us to do, as annoying, frustrating, and painful as it might be, is not against what God wants. I mean, just as far as your morals and so on are concerned and worship, we're to do it. We're to do it. 
If the government says that we are to, uh, uh, for example, abort our children, we can't do that because that's murder. If the government tells us to, uh, you know, every man to marry three women, we can't do that. If the government says to women that they're to marry, you know, two husbands, they can't do that. If it tells us to lie, to scheme, we cannot do that. To get involved in corrupt campaigns, we can't do that. If it certainly tells us not to worship God, we're going to worship God. But there are plenty of areas where the government is not going to encroach like that, do you see? And we may feel the government's heel on us a little bit. And we may object and not like it at all. But we are not to be troublemakers. Not to be people that uh, cause the rulers of this world to be more suspicious of us. Why? Why? Because we do not want to drag the name of God down. You see, we have to be concerned with the reputation of God so that people who do despise us and are saying things about us will be ashamed when they continue to see that, oh, that person is actually a good person. They're honest, they're hardworking, uh, they do their business fairly, and squarely, uh, they are, have principles which they stick by. People are attracted to that. People take notice of things like that. And yet, oh yeah, they worship the God of the Bible. He sums things up here in verse 17 by saying honor all people love the brotherhood fear God honor the king these are uh, part and parcel of the basic attitude that he wants us to have in our lives in the Roman world as in the Greek world before that this idea of honoring all people was just not even thought about. You didn't honor all people. Not in the ancient world. There was only so much honor that you could give to people. Do you see? It was like, um, I don't know, royalty, yeah? There's only so much nobility to go around, okay? Can't say everybody's a royal. Well, you know, the idea was uh, honor was like that. Only certain people deserved honor and the rest of the people the hoi poli they didn't get any honor you want to treat people that way Christianity says no you honor all people and what basis would Christianity tell us to do that why would Christianity tell us to do that okay exactly because we're all created by God we're all in the image of God do you see so is it honor all people We're to love the brethren. 
the people to see that, that, you know, see how they love one another, see how they uh, care for one another. They're not cultish. You know, people don't want to see that in us. You know, they're cultish. They're, they're clicky. They want to see that. That's ugly. They just want to see that we care for each other. We look out for one another. We fear God. We fear God. So that our lives, our conversation, our work ethic, uh, our submission to government and things that we don't like, our ability to take it, all reflects on the God that we worship. And people say, say, that person fears God. They're not a hypocrite. They really do try to steer their lives in a certain way, in a certain direction, because they have this idea of God that dominates their thoughts and then translates that into their actions. Why do we fear God? Well, because he's our master. We're his bondservants. We ought to fear him. We don't despise him. No, we're here to obey him. And then he adds, honor the king. Where you can, when you can. There may be circumstances where the king, the emperor, tells us that uh, he wants worship, like Nero, or he uh, t- tells us to do something that's, uh, that Christians cannot do. Well, it's not dishonoring the king to say no to that, because the king is not being honorable, do you see? But what it might mean sometimes, and Peter's going to go on to this, what it might mean is that we have to suffer some persecution from the authorities because we choose to honor God in those circumstances. And what about uh, the American experiment? And what about the uh, situation as we have it here? I don't want to go too much into this. Of course, uh, we don't entangle ourselves with politics in this church in the same way that Jesus and Paul and Peter didn't entangle themselves with such things. The Constitution is going to be subverted. It's been subverted for, for decades, for many, many years. So you have to realize that. If you're staking your... Uh, you know, your freedoms and everything on the Constitution. It's just a piece of paper. It's a very impressive piece of paper, don't get me wrong. But it's just a piece of paper, and people can choose to go by it, and it's what it's, uh, you know, what it says, what it declares, or ignore it, or corrupt it and twist it. And if they choose to twist it, What are you to do as a Christian? 
Are you to put the Constitution first? Or are you to put God's will first? Sometimes you won't be able to do both. It's just the way it is, okay? I mean, you, you know, we want people, we have hopefully recourse to, to uh, the law courts and so on. We can pray about things. The Constitution is there. Maybe there'll be a judge who will actually read the Constitution and believe what it says and who will rule in favor in that way. And that has happened, hasn't it? In fact, the recent overturning of uh, Roe versus Wade shows that. In the meantime, we are to submit to government where we can. Where we can. Our democracy is precious. Our republic is precious. But it's not guaranteed by God. And we don't get, we, we live in, a, uh, in favorable circumstances because we live in the United States. Praise God for that. We're grateful for that. So we need to be um, those that are grateful always uh, for where we live. But we don't take that as a right. Okay, we don't have a right to be treated above everybody else in the world just because we live in America. Our particular attitude has got to be the same as everybody else's, every other Christian in the world. Honor all people, even the people that are saying things against us. Love the brethren. Fear God. And honor the king. I don't want to get, as I said, into any more detail than that. But when, when uh, the president or the party that's in power, and by the way, you know, we should call President Biden, President Biden. He's the president. You say, I didn't vote for him. Don't be like that. Okay. Don't be like that. He's still the president. Just treat him with some honor, okay? You can do that as a Christian, yes? You might not like him. You might not agree with him, but he is the president. So at least honor him in that sense. And when they enact laws that you don't like and you think they're unfair, if they don't impede on your moral uh, obligations to God or your ability to worship God. You say, what does God want us to do in those circumstances? He wants you to obey. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we live in an unfair world. We live in a wicked world. It's ruled over by the prince of the power of the air. We are light in a dark world. And, Father, we are strangers and sojourners. We're passing through. So we have to have that mindset. We have to uh, 
watch ourselves, watch our behavior, make sure that uh, in unfair circumstances and difficult um, situations, Lord, that we are obeying as much as we can. We're submitting to the ordinances of man because you have told us to. We do it, Lord, so that people would not have a case against us for being subversive uh, in uh, our societies. The people who may accuse us of different things, Lord, would be shown to be wrong and liars because we have tried to be the best citizens. And if we've done that, Lord, then again, it's shown our faith in you and our willingness to take it for your sake. There comes a time, Lord, will come a time when all of the unjust laws and all of the recriminations and all of the gossiping against Christians will all go away. In the meantime, it's here, but we don't want to, uh, we don't want any of those slanders, Father, to have any truth to them. Help us, therefore, to obey you in this, to submit to government where we can. For Christ's sake, amen. You know, there are many things in this crazy world of ours that we have to say no to. We have to say no to these gender reassignment things. We have to say no to sexual perversion being taught to our kids. There's so many things that are wrong, and we say no to them because God says no to them. We know where we stand. But where God doesn't speak to it, where God allows for the present time these things to continue, we must live by faith and in the fear of God and be the best citizens that we can. I want to close by uh, just reading this short passage in Romans chapter 15. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.